Welcome to the first episode of Filling the Well, a podcast created to nourish, provoke, and inspire artists and arts leaders. Over the next five episodes, you'll hear from creative changemakers who share their takes on how to shift power, build authentic community, share resources, and advocate for support. With each episode, you'll find links to explore these ideas further and to take action in your own community. We're kicking off the series by talking about resilience, self-care, and joy. You're not here by accident. You're here to share the stories of your sacred passage. You are the only you there ever has been. You are not the magician. You are the magic. So show up. We are not meant to stay in trauma mode as a way of living. This is why we practice radical self-care. And I tell folks, there's only two times to practice radical self-care. When you feel like it and when you don't. When you feel like it and when you don't. Then you cover. You just heard from Joe Davis and Dr. Joy Lewis, our guests for this inaugural edition of Filling the Well. I'm your host, Marianne Combs. There's no sugarcoating it. The last couple of years have been incredibly hard, whether it's the toll the pandemic has taken on community health and the economy, or the increasing frequency of brutal hate crimes based on race and religion, or the surge in natural disasters brought about by climate change. We're all living with varying amounts of fatigue, anxiety, and even trauma. Amidst all this upheaval, what are artists and arts leaders to do? As a journalist who has covered arts and culture for decades, I've seen firsthand how creativity can be an antidote to challenging times. Artists serve as both healers and visionaries for their communities, bringing people together and helping them to imagine better futures. Today, we need this transformational work more than ever. And the arts has been among the sector's hardest hit by the pandemic shutdowns and social distancing. So, our first episode is dedicated to taking care of you, and we've brought in two wonderful guests to join us. Dr. Joy Lewis is a radical self-care strategist, mediator, coach, and artist activist who devotes herself to instigating joy and healing healers. She lives in St. Paul. Dr. Joy, welcome. Thank you. Very, very pleased to be here. And Joe Davis is a multi-talented artist and educator who uses music, poetry, theater, and dance to create transformational experiences. He lives in Minneapolis. Joe, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thank you so much, Marianne. Glad to be here. Dr. Joy, I feel like the term self-care gets used a lot in common parlance these days, but it means different things to different people. And I think there are so many people out there who want to be doing the good work, and sometimes they they run themselves ragged. They forget about the taking care of themselves, that they feel like there's this next event that I have to be at. There's this next thing I have to do. The, the people need me. And forgetting to nurture themselves so that they can be there for community. Yeah. Self-care and, and rest is an act of resistance. You know, it's sort of like counterintuitive because you think like, wait a minute, I'm resting. Yeah, rest is resistance, right? I really want to emphasize um, the importance of um, this sort of reclaiming and pushing against systems of oppression that want us to be sick and tired and worn out. Um, And that um, it sort of pushes against this notion of self-care as a kind of like soft, 
a thing that um, is something extra that you do instead of instead of something that is essential that we do. Um, you know, and I always like to lift up um, Sister Audrey Lord, who says that caring for myself is not self-indulgent, it's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. And that is really the self-care that, um, that I speak about and we speak about, that it is also um, self-care that is grounded in community care and actually showing up in, in joy. A lot of the good work that uh, Brother Joe is doing around radical joy and to like to show up in that kind of way is just such a, a profound act of resistance. And we don't think about it like that. Yeah. I just wanted to add to Dr. Joy and you've been significant in, in teaching me this. But I can't even show up in my full self, in my integrity, in my authenticity, unless I am practicing radical self-care. Like I'm decapacitated and I don't even have the ability to offer my gifts that I can offer to the world unless I'm first like finding that that time and that space to prioritize like my health and well-being. It's deeply, deeply, deeply interconnected. Yeah. Joe, you've taken classes with Dr. Joy. I'm wondering, what were the, some yeah. of the most important lessons you learned? I think for me, it was about prioritizing uh, my self-care because the world's not going to prioritize it for me. Like, I'm the only one who could do that. And then also this idea of, I love how uh, Dr. Joy, you would say, like, don't light yourself on fire to keep other people warm, <laughs> you know, which is a habit a pattern that I think I'm life uh, lifelong unlearning because I come from uh, a culture that has taught me to like take care of everybody else before I take care of myself and to give until I have nothing else to give. And then I, I'm of no service to anybody when I do that. And I, I understand uh, in a different way now that um, I'm always going to be a generous person. I'm always going to be the type of person who shows up and wants to like offer my gifts and uh, create space for healing and transformation. But I can do that in a way where like I'm showing up more grounded and more centered because I'm doing I'm doing the work. I'm doing the inner work of of radical self-care. So. And when you talk about the inner work that you're doing, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Uh for me it's about paying attention to my body, um, being really attentive and just like taking a moment to pause and to breathe and to listen and be like, what does my body need right now? Like, do I need to slow down and take a break and take a rest? Because I think so oftentimes we move at this machine-like pace where like capitalism just teaches us to grind, 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 work, 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 produce, produce, produce. But it doesn't teach us to create the space to listen to our bodies and to respond appropriately, right? And accordingly. And so so that's the biggest thing for me is actually paying attention to my body in a real way and being like, oh, yo, I haven't drank, I haven't drank a lot of water today. I need to go ahead and drink some more water. You know, or, you know what? I'm feeling kind of tight. I feel that tightness in my jaw and in my neck. I got to, after this Zoom meeting, I'm going to dance a little bit. I'm going to stretch it out. I'm going to move a little bit. And just listening, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things is to pay attention to your body and really listening to what it needs in the moment. So... You know, you talked about, uh, Marianne, just some of the things that, that people are juggling, the stress, the the trauma. And, you know, I think for folks particularly, you know, you got 
fight, um, flight, freeze. And I think for many of us over this past year and a half have really been stuck in that kind of freeze mode, right? And I, I use this example, when I get into my car and I pull that emergency brake, you know, I put that emergency brake on and, um, you know, I get out the car and sometimes I come back to my car and I forget to take the emergency brake off. And my car will let me go. It'll let me go. I can drive with that emergency brake on. And if I forget, after a while, it'll start hollering at me. Like, what are you doing? It's like, ah, you know, take the emergency brake off. Like, what are you, you know? And it's like, we are kind of stuck because you're only supposed to be in that, that emergency freeze mode for a minute, right? It's just to kind of get you to override, to say, hey, there's something that's going on. But that's not where we're supposed to stay. We are not meant to stay in trauma mode as a way of living. This is why we practice radical self-care. And I tell folks, there's only two times to practice radical self-care. When you feel like it and when you don't. (laughs) When you feel like it and when you don't. Then you cover, right? And that if you can do that, then you can build up enough to put into your emerge into your energy bank because there's going to be some withdrawals. There's going to be life that's going to happen, you know, right before, um, you know, getting to spend time with you all. My, my, my cell phone went out. I don't know why it went out. It just decided you didn't want to be with me anymore. You know, it's just, it's out. And it's like, that would have sent me over the moon. That would have just, you know, but fortunately, I have enough that is stored up in my energy bank. I'm like, okay, it, I got irritated for just a minute. And I said, you know what? Okay, maybe I just don't need to be that connected for a minute. Clearly, yeah. I need to take a break. <laughs> I love it. So when you talk about this energy savings account, and I, I love this sort of, a financial analogy that it's you need to have enough in the account to tide you through in those times when you have to make withdrawals. What adds to your energy account? Yeah, I really, you know, again, I love taking uh, concepts like capitalism and turning them on their mm-hmm. head, right? Because, you know, they don't help us out any other kind of way. And so mm-hmm. it's like, we might as well like use this. So I try to think about Things like, you know, who are the um, who are the people in my life that whenever I spend time with them, that immediately I feel like filled up. I feel like, you know, energized. Um, who are those folks? And so you might, you know, if you listen to this, I invite you to like write down like who are those who are three people in your life that, you know, when you when you uh, spend that time with them, you're like, oh, yeah, that that feels good. What are three activities that you do, you know, that when you you do it, you automatically feel like, ah, yes, you know, um, for for, you know, I know for Joe and I, it might be singing, it might be dancing. You know, what is it Mm -hmm. that when you you do it, you're like, oh, that changes my mode. This is a fun one. What are three songs that when you play them? It just takes you there, right? And it's like, you can put those like on your phone, have a little, you know, have it already ready. You about to go in that meeting that you really don't want to go to and you can just like pop it in real quick and it just automatically feeds you. And so I, I think of these things as like deposits, right? At the same time, you're going to have some withdrawals. There's nothing wrong with the withdrawal if you have something 
on the deposit side, right? And so, and I like to think about withdrawals as things that you have to do, right? So, you know, who are three people that are in your life that, you know, you might love them, but you just like, they kind of, they tend to take your energy. And, you know, it's it's good to be aware of them. Might be somebody in your family, might be your people, you know, might be somebody, a meeting that you got to go to every week or whatever. It's okay, but just be aware, you know, okay, I'm going to have to go and spend that time with those folks. But let me make sure I have enough on that deposit side before I go and have to spend time with them. Same thing with those activities. Maybe it's a meeting you have to go to every week, you know, or whatever. Um, and then I also like to try to think about, like, food. Is there something that you eat that you like to eat but it doesn't like you? You might not need to be you know so those kinds of things and just and I like to like put it actually on your phone and your notes section so you can look at that really quickly and then you got your little you got your little energy bank ready set up so you're ready to make a deposit maybe a couple of deposits a day check out your list like oh I haven't done this lately I should do this for myself right and the last thing I'll say about that is that you know you don't make a deposit in a bank generally today and then take it out tomorrow so y'all, you know, don't just be like putting stuff in and then just be automatically taking it out. You got to kind of build that thing up, you know? That's why I said there's only two times to practice radical self-care when you feel like it and when you don't. And particularly when you're feeling good, go on and put some extra stuff in there. Don't be waiting. Oh, I love that idea. Joe. Wh- what are things that you put in your emotional bank account to sort of beef up your reserve so you're ready to hit those stressful situations? Yeah, Dr. Joy hit a lot of them. Uh, for me, like music is such a huge part of my life. And so I don't think I would be able to survive without music. Like I got to get my good grooves. I got my playlist. I got the vibes that I know will get me right. And so that that for me is is a big part. I have to have some good music in my life. Like not only listening to music, but also creating music. And I think that can be helpful as well is creating uh, for me, is really life giving, um, and it really just kind of feed, feeds my soul. It feeds a part of me um, that feels really good. So, so writing poetry, writing songs, um, dancing. Uh, there's been times I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but there's been times where I literally have just danced between a Zoom meeting uh, because I've been sitting down all day getting that Zoom fatigue, you know, and the joints are getting kind of kind of tight, kind of kind of creaky, and I'm like, you know what? I got to stretch it out. I got to move this energy around. I got five minutes, 10 minutes, however long I have, I got to take that and just use that and move a little bit. One of the biggest things for me is is literally just starting off my day, like with meditation. I call it my rising ritual. And so before I even talk to anybody or anything else, like, you know, don't even have the phone on, turn off the phone, turn off the computer, nothing. And just like have some quiet time to myself where I can like set my intentions and say, this is how I want to show up for the day. And And to me, it's almost like, like tuning an instrument, because you know when instruments you gotta, you know you might you might play an instrument and you leave it for a while, it'll get out of tune. And when you start playing it again, you have to get it in tune again. Playing playing the piano, playing wind instruments, playing guitar, you see, you know you gotta get it in tuned again. And to me, that's what it's like every day, right? When I get up in the morning, I gotta make sure that like I am centered and grounded and aligned, and 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 like in that space before anybody else tries to like tug at me because there's going to be a bajillion different commitments that are going to tug at my heart, right? That are going to tug at me in every which direction. And I, I see it, I've seen it happen before where it's like a pinball in a, in a pinball machine where everything that touches the pinball is bouncing everywhere, right? That's what can happen to me and to my energy. 
unless I stay like rooted and grounded and centered. And then no matter what people say or do, no matter what happens, I can find that space inside of myself and say, okay, this is what's authentic for me. This is where my integrity is. You know, and I know Dr. Joy, you talked about like saying no, like saying no to things. Somebody told me like, like your no should make room for your yes. And so just remembering that these are the things I'm saying no to. These are the things I'm saying yes to. And that is what like really guides me and really gives me like a sense of direction, like setting that intention um, that helps me. So, Dr. Joy, you said earlier you were talking about capitalism and that there's really not, you know, got to use, turn it on its head. And I, I think it's really interesting because artists are always strapped for cash, it seems. Like the artist is constantly <laughs> looking for resources to help them do what they want to do. And yet both of you have spoken in a way that feels so joyful and abundant. For those people out there who are thinking, great, it's sure, it's nice to talk about all the good, nice feelings, but when it comes down to it, I need to pay the bills and I'm stressed. How do we face these realities of scarcity in resources while trying to bring joy, you know, and be resilient and mindful in the moment? I I mean, I think it's both like, again, it's, it's, it's holding the contradiction and recognizing that it's real um, in terms of the way that the world is set up you know, particularly here in the West, the way that capitalism is set up to make you like, oh, you got to do this and this next thing is happening or whatever. But I haven't found, even under some pretty harsh realities, worrying about them or stressing over them, um, it never helps. (laughs) And so I have found that, you know, I have to look at that thing like square in the face. Like, I think you can have like toxic positivity as well. I don't mean it in that way. But I think that there is a, a healthy balance around saying, OK, I'm going to look at this thing, but I can also have like some some reality around it. As my grandmother says, you know, none of us are as smart as all of us. I think that there are resources um, whenever I am not. Uh, feeling like that I have to figure it out on my own. Whenever I open up and I am able to share with other folks and, and, and reach out and say, hey, how might we be able to figure this thing out together? I get crushed and I think other people get really crushed when we are like left to um, individualism and having to try to figure it out and get crushed by ourselves. It's an, and I think that that's part of part of what happened, I think, particularly with the pandemic. Um, there was a lot of isolation. And so I think that getting out of that that isolation and reaching out um, and even just talking about it helps to say like, well, wait a minute. Oh, there may be some resource. Sometimes you realize like, OK, this thing is not going to happen. You know, that bill is not going to get paid and facing the reality around that, too. But, you know, there are some devastating things that that one has to face. People are dying. There are some there is some bad news. There are some things, but it's something about being in community and doing that together that makes makes getting through it different. You know, and that's where the abundance comes. Joe, you talked about how. Mm that was one of the lessons for you of this time during the pandemic was you ended up leaning on community in new and different ways. Can you talk a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm most grateful for is community because that's where I see where the most abundance lives. Um, it's a reminder to me because when I when I'm holding something and I'm feeling overwhelmed, a lot of times it's it's either because I'm holding something that I don't even need to hold to begin with. Like this ain't mine. Why am I holding that? I don't need to hold this. Or it's because I'm trying to hold something by myself that I don't need to hold by myself. We're we're here together for a purpose and for a reason. Like we need each other. We belong to each other. Not as as a sense of ownership. We belong to each other as a sense of an extension of one another. And we're deeply, deeply interconnected in ways that are hard to even imagine or to articulate. But when I look out and see my community and the ways that they've uplifted me when I needed to be uplifted, and then I've, I've in turn, have also been able to uplift them in ways, right? Um, I think we only rise as high as we can lift each other. And and during this time of pandemic and, and racial uprising, like, I've needed my community like never before. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people around me in my life. Yeah, and I think that's where the true abundance is. Because sometimes we can get stuck. We can get stuck in that 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 scarcity mentality and, and, and we're in isolation and we forget, but I need people to remind me of what's possible, right? I'm, I'm kind of known as a person who is really joyful and, and hopeful. And I like to remind people of that, but there's days where I forget too, you know what I'm saying? Where I don't even, I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? And I need people around me who can remind me. And I think that's, that's the beauty and the power of community is we can remind each other when we need to be reminded of what's possible, remind each other of the abundance. That's that's real. Mm. We were also talking about the news and how overwhelming sometimes that news can be. Does that factor into like your self-care is what you listen to and what you take in and what you don't take in? Yeah, I'm super intentional about the type of media I consume. But I, to this day, have not seen the video of Brother George Floyd. Um, and that's that's intentional. I don't like to watch videos of black death. I already know, um, you know, as, as a black man, like I know the violence and the trauma. Um, and so I don't need to watch it on replay on any videos. So as much as is within my power, I avoid watching any type of videos of, of black violence and black trauma, even if it's in films. So I'm very intentional about that. And, and yet I still am, am staying abreast with what's happening in the world. Like, I'm, I'm going to be socially conscious. I'm going to watch the news. But I just won't, I won't doom scroll. I call it doom scrolling. I think it's like, I don't even think they should call it the news. My joke is they should just call it the worst things that are happening near you. Because that's like what it is most of the time. You know, it's just like we're inundated with all this negativity. And so, yeah, I'll tap in. I'll check out, okay, what's going on? But then I also got to go out in front of my apartment door and see the community garden and what's going on in, in my like the beautiful things that are growing right here, you know, so I don't get sucked into that. So, yeah, you got to have balance. It's all about balance for me. I, too, also uh, purposely did not watch the video of the murder of Brother George Floyd. And the reason for that is because now having an understanding of the way that epigenetics works and um, how that works for our community and how it particularly works in my own body. 
you know, just the genetic mark of, of, of how, how trauma gets passed down. And you begin to learn how things affect you. Certain things you can't just like come back, back from, you know, but we don't have to consume stuff when we get to learn like, mm, that might not be a good choice. You think that you can build resilience by, through self-care, you can change your own resilience. Absolutely. It's like scientifically proven. You can rewire the way in which that we respond to things. And it's so amazing. And it is so like hopeful on an individual and on a collective and communal uh, level. We can shift the whole vibration of what can happen, like these diseases that are passed down that they say are hereditary, we can change the whole outlook on high blood pressure and diabetes and shift all of that. Radical self-care, it really, as in my opinion, should really be primary care, um, mm-hmm. that we can, we can change um, the, the output for um, and really save communities as we know them. So that's serious. And that's one of the things that really excites me about this work is that, like, I'm impacting generations beyond my own. You know, like, I I want to carry forward this legacy that my ancestors have given to me that I've inherited and, like, the resiliency that they've built up, that lives in me. But also the things that they weren't able to, like, build resiliency around, I can build on that and I can impact like the future generation. And that's so empowering. Like I think about one of my favorite quotes of this season has been from Alice Walker. She says, the most common way people give up their power is by thinking that they don't have any. And I think the resiliency is accessing the power that we do have and cultivating that together. Like we are incredibly powerful, right? We have so much resilience. We have so much wisdom and healing within our bodies, within our community, how do we how do we access that? How do we tap into that and grow that and cultivate that together? Um, that's where my radical joy comes from. This this deep rooted knowing that that's possible for us. Is there a way to take these lessons and apply them to teams, to people working together in communities? Doctor Joy, what do you think? Oh yeah. Absolutely. As we were thinking about or we were talking about the um, the idea of the energy bank, for for instance, you know, I love um, I love to work with with organizations and teams to think about like, you know, their their organization uh, bank. You know, their organization energy bank and what are those things, particularly as as we think about, you know, a lot of uh, our nonprofit organizations who might be like on the struggle bus in terms of like, we didn't get that grant or we don't have that. Okay, but whose culture has capital? There's a lot of different kinds of capital beyond economic capital. And so, you know, identifying what are those things that you all, um, whenever you do together, that it, you know, it, it, it excites you? What are those activities that you participate in? And don't do it just once a year, you know? Can you can you all do that at least once a week? Or are there daily things that you all do and that it becomes this list of things that's, that's embedded in part of the culture? How about you start your... Um, your meetings off. How about you start with some meditation? How about y'all do a dance break? You know, what are some things that that you that are a part of the culture? And and sometimes those things feel 
awkward at first so you feel like that you can't but those things fill people up people know if i show up you gonna everybody gonna get their minute everybody gonna get their time everybody's gonna get heard and that matters to folks whenever you are in cultures where you don't get you don't get your turn or you're not you're not heard or you're not seen or you're not um affirmed or validated. And whenever you are creating a culture where people feel like my voice matters, I'm seen, I'm affirmed, that's good money. And people will show up because they're like, I'm valued here, you know? And so those are radical self-care practices. You get some time off. Don't, you know, I ask people, do y'all take lunch away from your dance? Do you, do you go, do you know that there's a park across the street? Have you gone over there? You know, that those things matter. But if you just sitting up and you never are moving your body, you're not dancing, you're not taking a break to eat, all of that stuff adds up. Dr. Joy, you call yourself a joy instigator. I feel like you just instigated right there, but is there other stuff that you do when you think about instigating joy? And what does that look like? Is it... it in terms of how do you how do you walk into a space and instigate joy? I, I I look and I try to see like when I walk in the room, how can we hold space to give each other to each other? Joy returns when we get to actually be connected to each other, right? And so how can we have more opportunities to be able to just get to find each other, to get to talk to each other, to get to be, you know, connected? Because people just want, and they be like, I did not think I found that person. I did not think that I could, you know, get connected. And it's just, you know, people who they thought they never would have anything in common with. And it's a joy. It's really, really fun to watch. People get connected. I love that you said, you keep saying like space and spaciousness and creating space because that's really what this work is about. It's like the joy is present, right? Sometimes we got to unearth it. When, when I even talk about radical joy, like Angela Davis says radical just means grasping at the root. So like sometimes the joy just got buried, right, underneath all this other stuff. So how do we, how do we move things around? And really like brush it off. Oh, there it is. I knew it was there all along. Like I missed you. Like returning to it and and creating that spaciousness for us to breathe and for us to be together um, in ways that I think we're meant to be together originally. I love that idea that creating space for connection helps us to unearth or rediscover joy. I want to take a second to look to the future, knowing that we are in a space where there's a lot going on, that we're holding joy while also holding the realities of the world we live in, and think about the role of creativity in transforming and connecting communities. What is your vision for where we need to go next? What do we need to do to take best care of ourselves and the community moving forward? As an artist, I really feel like artists all artists are uniquely positioned to offer like a vision to the world or to even offer like this invitation to people to vision together, to practice imagining, to practice embodying what's possible. And so for me, it's, it's always about that invitation, always about that offering. So when I show up in a space, I'm like, okay, what are we dreaming up together? What are we practicing together? What are we embodying together? I don't always have it all figured out. Like, I got certain things that I want to do, you know, that I think are fun, that I think are cool. 
But then I get with somebody else and they got something else too. And we put that together. And it's even more fun and even cooler and more beautiful than what I could have come up with by myself. So when I think about envisioning and embodying, I'm really intentional about saying both envisioning and embodying because I don't want us to just get stuck in our heads. I want us to embody uh, those possibilities. But when I when I want to envision and embody the future alongside other people, like I need other people. Like if we're talking about collective liberation, we need the collective. Yeah, I just, I again, I, I come back to that spaciousness, like creating the space for us to dream and to to imagine and embody that. Um, I think some of that has to do with slowing down um, and just, just being intentional about our time and energy. But um, that's the type of world I long to live in is where we, we have that space to do that together. Dr. Joy? Yeah, I mean, I think Brother Joe said it very well. And I think just, I think what the artist does is give us reason and purpose to come together. The artist like narrates like what's happening um, in a variety of different uh, ways and different perspectives, which I think is really important. I think that because there's so much that's happening right now that I'm just like, thankful for artists um, that there are so many different ways to engage when you you can't grasp it in one way you can look at okay am I gonna feel it through a song am I gonna look at it through a painting am I gonna hear it through a poetry am I gonna you know am I gonna need to dance it out am I gonna you know is it gonna be through graffiti like there's so many different ways and we need all of that I, I don't even want to know what it would be like without art. You've both said, I mean, you're, you're both obviously joyful people. Are you hopeful? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Unquestionably. Even with all that's going on in the world? Yeah, I love, I love this idea that, that brother Dr. Cornell West talks about. He, he's not too fond of the idea of having hope. He says that's too spectatorial. Like you're just kind of looking at the hope. But he says, he talks about like being hopeful and embodying that hope and, and trying to activate it within yourself and within your community. And that's really what I'm about. Um, and the reason why I have that hope is because of like what I've experienced um, throughout my life. Like I know what's possible, right? I know what my ancestors accomplished and they what they showed me, right? And And it may not always feel that way. Maybe I don't always feel it. Maybe I don't always see it. But there is an inner knowing where I'm like, yep, I know things can be different. I know we can change. I know a new world is on the way. You know, it's deep rooted. Even when I can't always feel it or see it or taste it or touch it, it's there. Yeah. And I love this idea of being and sort of my daily prayer is about um, asking my higher power who lives in me really about what would you have me be instead of what would you have me do? And, and being hopeful is part of that. Being light, being kind, being thoughtful. I'm trying to not have to-do lists, but having to-be lists, um, you know, and just, you know, trying to just be and being hopeful is part of that. Looking at the at the devastation and those things are real, but not not uh, letting it consume me and saying, how can I just look at the next thing? You know, just pay attention to what's in front of me. That's all I can do. 
and that it's not by my that I'm not by myself. When I think it's all up to me, that's when mm. I get devastated. Mm. You know, yeah, it's not truth. all up to me. When I look out and realize, oh, there is a whole community of folks, then I'm hopeful. I can mm-hmm. say it and hope. Dr. Joy, Joe, thank you both so much for this conversation. I feel thank more you. joy now than I did yeah. an hour ago. So when I, we started hey, this conversation, it's beautiful. So you are both amazing <laughs> at what you do. Thank you so much. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Filling the Well. Our guests for this episode were radical self-care strategist Dr. Joy Lewis and artist and educator Joe Davis. I'm your host, Marianne Combs. Want to dig deeper into the ideas behind this episode? Visit the Arts Midwest Ideas Hub, a collection of free, curated articles and tools to help creative leaders foster growth within their organizations and communities. Go to artsmidwest.org ideas for more. On the next episode of Filling the Well, we talk about the shifting power dynamics in philanthropy. What if we practice trust-based philanthropy? What if we didn't make folks have to prove to us that they're doing the right thing every three to six months to a year? I'm excited for philanthropy to encourage people to move away from telling the story of their trauma. We're not asked to dream big. There's no invitation to do that in the process. There's no inclination that philanthropy is willing to fund our wildest dreams. So we forget to do that. That's next time on Filling the Well. I hope you'll join us. This podcast was produced and edited by Emily Goldberg and mixed by Eric Romani, with original music by Damian Strange. The Filling the Well series is made possible with financial support from the Barr Foundation. Based in Boston, the Barr Foundation's mission is to invest in human, natural, and creative potential, serving as thoughtful stewards and catalysts.